Welcome to the Limitless Career Podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what it takes to build an ambitious and fulfilling career that stands out. Around here, we believe that ambition isn't a dirty word, and each episode will show you exactly what I mean. I'm your host, Jazz Broughton, certified career coach on a mission to empower you to embrace ambition, create your own rules, and create a career and life you never thought possible. I do this work and more with a dose of reality, curiosity, challenge and intention to enable you to show up and go get the growth your ambitious career deserves. On this week's episode, we've done something a little bit different. I sat down with Franka Grubasik and we spoke on her show, Unsetting Expectations About Careers, Having Squiggly Ones, Mental Health, Expectations and Everything in Between. And I couldn't resist sharing it with you. Hope you enjoy. Hello, Jazz. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Um... I'm positive because the days are getting longer and that, that makes me happy. I love the sun and the longer days. So, Oh my goodness. Yes, definitely. I, I agree with that. Getting up when it's dark, then it getting dark halfway through the afternoon. It's just no yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, hence, I love your sweater because it feels like sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're I'm like I'm very much wrapped up. I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> um. So, hello, and thank you for coming here. Thank you for being uh, here with us today. I appreciate you very much for taking your own time to coming here and talking with us. Yeah, yeah. You're so welcome. It's an absolute pleasure when you reached out, and the things that we're going to talk about are some of my favorite topics. So, would always make time. I can't wait. So can you introduce yourself for us, please? Yeah. So my name is Jazz Brawson. I am a self-confessed ambitious person. I am a career coach. I'm also a community manager. So I do have one of those multi-hyphenate careers, but I'm just really passionate about people and really inspiring them and empowering them to embrace their ambition and go for the things that they want not only in their careers but in their lives so that's the work that I do as a coach through one-to-one coaching group programs um, and workshops I love it and I read on your um, website which I'll which which I will now bring to the screen Mm -hmm. is your mission which really touched my heart and it was like uh, to empower 10,000 ambitious individuals to create fulfilling, phenomenal and unlimited careers. Mm-hmm. This word, unlimited. Yeah. I, I got chills now as I was <laughs> reciting it. I've never um, experienced, I've never thought about it in that way before mm-hmm. that, but technically it's the truth. Like careers are unlimited. I, I, I actually think that everything in our life is unlimited. Like it's infinite. <laughs> versus finite so having this articulated in that way like sweep me off my feet yeah thank you so much I'm glad you connected with it I think it was a thing for me where I've always been focused on impact right and Mm -hmm. the more and more I do the work that I do the more I realize how we quite often absorb limits on our careers so we think we can't do certain things. I know through the journey that I've experienced and lived that if you had told me I would be in this position doing this day to day 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. Right. Because I have those, those limits. You know, I was studying a degree, which meant that, you know, you've got one of five outcomes. Right. And my degree was hospitality. So it's like, you know, very, very linear, linear, linear. And Mm. then also separately, when I talk about unlimited and I talk about even limitless, which is kind of the title of my podcast, which is the Limitless Career Podcast. As I began my work as a coach, I started to realize all the ways that we impose limits emotionally, um, spiritually, like we impose limits on ourselves, right? We get to this space where we tell ourselves that we can't do it. And quite often that can happen in the face of having a a bunch of cheerleaders saying, yes, you can. Having folks advocate for you, having opportunities come up and you say no, and you put the limit there, even though the invitation is open and it's ready for you, right? And that's really 
in, in, in a lot of ways, it broke my heart because it made me realize how easy it is for us to hold ourselves back, to self-sabotage and do all these things quite in, unintentionally, mm. right? Because a lot of it can stem from that space of self-protection and still wanting safety. But the world that we live in, the careers, modern careers, that safety stuff, like you have to get used to a certain level of uncertainty. You have to get used to a certain level of adventure, even if you really want that stability and you want that that linear journey. Yeah. It's a it's a new way of being. And sometimes we within ourselves don't know how to compute that because even from childhood, yeah, you have to think in linear ways. You yeah. do preschool, you do school, you do secondary school, you do college, you do, you know, yeah. you go in the straight line. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who doesn't go into the straight line, right? When you think about moving from one stage to another, when somebody goes, oh, my friend's taking a gap year, it's like, oh, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Why are they doing that? You know, and yeah. I'm used to it have shifted a lot now, but again, it's like, oh, that person's going against the norm. Whereas mm. In the future, there won't be a norm. The only norm will be going for what you want. Yeah. I'm so uh, excited that you brought up the word linear because I was just speaking to one of my very close friends this morning about that exact uh, kind of way of, that, that exact logic. Because she's also, she was like, we were talking about uh, our very own different pathways and things we want in life. Like, I'm very, like, I jump from thing to thing, from industry to industry, medium to medium, because I'm curious in a lot of, like, for a lot of things, and I just follow my curiosity and go from there. But um, I know even how much I struggle with that, because, yeah, it doesn't fit with the imposed linearity of life. And then kind of my my message was, or like my, my, my thought that this morning was, uh, the only thing that's linear in life is time. And even time is a made up concept because one day some human made up the concept of one hour, one day, one week, one month, one year. So like, for me, it was like kind of that realization that happened during that talk of how much kind of uh, added stress is completely unnecessary because it has been added mm. intentionally or not intentionally uh, upon ourselves by us or by the rest of the society. But it's like, I feel like that the more and more I question everything and the more I have conversations with people such as yourself, I realize just how almost um, wrong I have been thinking or, or I, I don't want to say living, but like it was, my life was very kind of, I, I, I will describe my life as resistance because mm. like I was always yearning for something different, for something more that didn't quite fit in, in that linearity of what I was supposed to be doing in that specific moment of my life, right? So now kind of stripping all of that away, I feel that that freedom of thought brought me not only more confidence, but more creativity, as well in my life because I don't overwhelm with stuff as much as I did before. Oh my goodness. Um, and, and release the should. But, you know, as soon as you said supposed to, it's such a powerful thing. And, you know, it just goes to show how easily we're socialized into these things, right? You didn't wake up and decide that you want to resist against your very being. <laughs> just there was this map. And everything in you was just like, this map doesn't necessarily work for me. So I have to find a way to break free from it, right? Yeah. Uh, but the shoulds, it, it's such a powerful way of limiting ourselves without even realizing it. Because if we think about any should in life, so like, um, I've got like half a degree. I've got a postgraduate certificate. It was meant to be a master's. But I was like, I, I had already moved away from the industry. So I was studying real estate. Mm -hmm. I, I could be a surveyor. And that was my last 
in that was my industry before moving into tech right and the should is jazz you should force yourself to do this dissertation so that you can get the masters whereas i i had already moved on yeah right? i had established yeah. a successful career in another industry that did not need that degree yeah i had also yeah. already paid for it out of pocket like so that my i don't like there's no discounts for submitting your dissertation yeah and i was also at that space as well launching my business which was more close to like what I wanted to do yeah all the shoulds and I know people that live in the should and took the should decision to say I started a master's I should finish a master's I sent an email to administration and said what happens if I stop now and I don't do a dissertation they said it means that you graduate with a postgraduate certificate in real estate I said that's fine yeah yeah that's fine love that who are these shoulds none of these shoulds were paying for my degree I Mm. was no, none of these shoulds were going to sit down and write that dissertation. I was. None of these shoulds were going to explain to myself at the end of that year the sacrifices that I would have had to make to focus on making it work. None yeah. of the shoulds would have compensated for the stress that I would have felt forcing okay. myself physically to do something that I don't want to do. Like if anybody here is listening and they've studied at higher education level, you could love your topic your subject your you could love everything about it and there's still a huge uphill battle to motivate yourself to write another 2000 words to read another 10000 pages to mm-hmm. add another five citations right so when i weighed it up i was like my path is the path that i choose because regardless of which path i choose i'm alone in in that journey yeah. Let me make sure that I don't do, I don't have regrets on it. And let me make sure that when I look at my career, or I look at this phase or I look at this year, I know why everything is happening and not one response, not one answer is down to what I think other people think mm-hmm. or what I've been socialized to think, right? Because when we talk about what we're socialized into, that's not necessarily having a human being in front of you going, you should finish your degree. Yeah. It's just when you look around and it's like everyone else seems to finish their degrees. Yeah. Thankfully, we grow up and we realize that no, yeah. <laughs> everybody doesn't finish their degrees. Everybody doesn't go to uni. Everybody, like, we've yeah, got. Yeah. 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 I, um, um, in case you, I, I didn't know that you were, um, that your academia journey was towards becoming a surveyor. Um, mm-hmm. I was studying geodesy and slash surveying for my bachelor's uh, degree also. Oh uh, <laughs> um, I've had, had a similar thought process, but a kind of a different journey. Mm. Um, because when I was... Was I think I was around 21, 22, perhaps. I didn't have the courage to be like, I'm done. Like, I was at that moment, like, after having a lot of papers written and published and some awards and like a really nice GPA, mm-hmm. I was still waking up every morning with a, like a pit in my stomach almost like nauseous every single morning because I have to go to class um, Mm -hmm. because of the overall experience of studying on that specific uh, faculty. And I knew for even then for like a long time that it doesn't sit well with me anymore. Like I felt like it's eating me up from the inside, but I was so encompassed with that idea that I will be a failure if I give up. Mm. And so I kept on pushing and then it kept on eating me. And like, I was, I was so depressed by the time that the universe, like I, I ended up being, um, um, switching my majors at the, yeah. like in, in the, like very close to the end, I had like, I think two exams and then the final exam for my bachelor's, I ended up switching majors because I just couldn't anymore. I just couldn't. And with my mom, who was a dean of another university then, and everyone in my family being highly educated, like even my grandma went to university. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. those shoes are strong. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And every, like, for me to be able 
kind of to like even me switching majors and then I now I am late for my masters because there is such a thing as being late to a degree in my culture. Um, it, it brought a lot of negative emotions for me at that time because I was, you know, it was an internal struggle where I knew that doesn't sit well with me, but I didn't have the courage like you did to be like, I'm like, I just don't care what everyone else around me thinks. I'm just focusing on what I know is good for me. And then kind of building that muscle is what, what, what I'm learning now is so beneficial because at the end of the day, what stuck with me when you said, at the end of the day, you're alone. There's no one else to do that work for you. And by definition, now kind of having it as clear as day, put, putting it that way, mm-hmm. it means that literally you shouldn't care about what anyone else thinks because they won't be there for you. <laughs> um, sometimes even not to, to support you or do your work. You're alone mm-hmm. and you're the one that needs to carry that decision for the rest of your life. 100%. And I think, you know, and this is not to say that there aren't people, you know, that your family don't care because they do. But the reality is the consequences of a decision that doesn't feel true for you, that is too heavy for you to carry, gives them the outcome that they don't want, Mm. right? Yeah, they don't want you to be in a tough space with your mental health, with your well-being, right? They don't want you to feel disconnected from your everyday life and all of those things that can happen when you yeah. find yourself in a space that is just it's overwhelming, right? It's overwhelming. It's one thing after the other and I just mustered up the courage and the motivation to submit that and then now there's another thing and yeah. I need to have a meeting, I need to change the topic, I need to find a way for me to complete this, right? Yeah. Because even when you're going, even when I think about being in that space of things being tough, you get to this point mentally and I'm a very glass half full person even before I became a coach, that was just my default. But there's sometimes things that weigh on you so heavy that you're at this space where it's like, I just need to pass it. Mm. Like, I don't, like, don't, I'm not even entertaining getting a distinction and merit or, like, first club. No, I just need to pass it so that I don't have to retake it because that's all I've got in my chamber. That's all I've got in me to yeah. give to this thing right now. Or I, my aim is to just submit it on time, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And, and even when we're even when we're getting to those spaces, it can come with a lot of, a lot of guilt it can come with a lot of what do you mean you know it can yeah. feel like we're judging ourselves because it can feel like we're planning to fail but no we're actually like thriving is too far when you're in the thrive space like on this side of the screen I love the fact that we're on screen when you're in the thrive space you're like I'm gonna knock it out of the park I'm gonna do it on a subject that I love yeah. I'm gonna put expertise in this I'm gonna sit down with my my supervisor every week and really fine-tune that's the space of thriving as things get heavier and heavier and less aligned you go to this place of survival and survival is the person saying I just need to submit on time I just need to get enough a good enough grade that I don't need to retake or it doesn't drag down the other things right you start to plan for self-defense I remember even doing this in my university experience and for me I experienced depression and anxiety while I was at uni Again, so I mean it when I say you're doing it by myself. Like I know my family loved me. I know my mom wanted to support me and my friends and stuff like that. But it was me in my room struggling to get out of bed. So to that space where I remember creating a spreadsheet and putting in my mark so far and like figuring out, okay, if I get this grade in this assignment and then that exam at that, I can pass with this grade. Phew. Yeah. And some people are like, mm, you shouldn't, shouldn't you be aiming for the best? Shouldn't mm-hmm. you be aiming for the top? And that is so tough. And like, I say this to say, like, we have to give ourselves grace because we experience things differently. And yeah. for me, when I was doing that, I was working three jobs. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. I know you mean well, but I yeah. don't have the physical or the mental capacity to knock every single assignment out of the park at this stage yeah. because yeah. I need to pay rent and yeah. I need to try and make it through. 
Yeah. Oh, I empathize so much uh, with everything that you've said. Um, I feel um, a lot of your experiences have been my experiences to a high degree as well. And I remember, not even judgmental, what's the word? What's the word? It's worse than judgmental towards myself of mm, like not, yeah, like, re- like extremely self-critical and uh, to the point where I was, you know, like felt like I was disappointing and betraying myself to a degree because I couldn't be perfect in everything all the time. Mm. People, uh, it's not that it's not so necessarily that people expect a lot from me. Is that I expect even more from me. And then at times when I can't deliver that, even this past week, for example, so I'm in my last semester of my master's program where mm-hmm. I have to write my master's thesis. I have always been um, uh, procrastinating on everything until the very last minute or the very last hour because every oh, yeah. time... <laughs> yeah. Because I, and this is just something that I'm kind of voiced over and discovered and kind of articulated for myself in the last like 10 days, speaking it out with friends is, and therapists, <laughs> the reason why I do that is because every time I start something, mm. I hate starting because I know when I start, I'm not good at it and I don't like not being good at things. Then the second thing is I have to go through the torture of questioning and doubting myself only once. Mm. But now I have a thesis project, which is a big project, (laughs) which I can't do in two days. Technically, I would, but the process is set up in that way that I need to meet with my supervisor every week or every other week at minimum. And for the past two weeks, I didn't do anything because I was like, I can't get myself to start because I'm not mentally ready to go through the torture of experiencing that every single week when I'm starting all over again every single time. Yeah. And it's like that that heaviness was like really, (laughs) it was making me feel depressive and really anxious and then it's like it's that vicious cycle of like literally I met with my supervisor. I almost cried in front of him because I was like, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I just can't seem to start. Yeah. It was, it was so heavy. And I like, I, oh, it's like, I l- love that I'm able to talk through this whilst I'm in this, like one, whilst I'm experiencing that, because I think that in a lot of situations, we often talk about the before and after, and then we we skip this messy middle. We skip it. We skip it entirely. It's so important. And I I relate 100% to what you're saying. And like, I've even felt that way in work. And just hearing you have that self-awareness around how you get things done is so so important um and it's actually something that I'm doing a lot of work around this year I'm actually creating a program around finding a way of being in your career that doesn't come with that self blame the self-sabotage the even as you were speaking I related to this whole feeling of being in this messy middle and saying to yourself this is not me yeah me I, I am I am the person that can just do stuff and I did it, you know, and starting to compare yourself to this like magical version of yourself or for some of us, the childhood version of yourself, right? And a lot of this leads mm. into the area of imposter syndrome where like if you've grown up finding certain things easy, the minute you find it's guilt, like difficult, it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, and it comes with this shame. Yeah. So I get you even to reach out to your lecturer, even reaching out to your supervisor to say, to say I haven't got an update is like, I should tell them, I should tell them I haven't done it. I should tell them I'm behind, but I can't, how can I tell them I'm behind, right? And and in many ways, and, and this is what I say for anybody who's experiencing imposter syndrome in the way that I'm describing it, right? It can force you to hide, but mm-hmm. getting over that and actually stopping hiding can be helpful. Yeah. Having that conversation with your supervisor could end up being helpful. 
because it can help you get out of your head. But when you're in that space where you're experiencing that imposter syndrome, that is the worst, that's the last thing you feel intuitively to do, which is to come clean and be vulnerable. But the minute that you do that, the shame gets lifted because you're no longer in this space when you're thinking, I'm worried about what they think because you're in the space where you know what they think. They're looking you in the eye and going, don't worry. Let's see how much time we've got left. Talk me through what you wanted to write. Talk me through the part where you're getting stuck and you get that support. And I've had that experience both in, in, in my workplace, being vulnerable with my team, with my managers, but also like separate to that in terms of the imposter experience, but just in general, how we operate and navigate in our careers, whether it is in a space of academia, so you're studying or you're new in your career or you're growing in your career. It's so important for us to establish our way of being in our careers, right? And I will say this, hands held high as a career coach, there's a lot of focus on the doing, right? And I can do it. I can do it all day. You can, I can work with you on productivity, planning, vision boarding. We could do all that fun stuff, but that is going to feel so sticky if you haven't come to terms with your way of being. Mm -hmm. I nodded I loved it when you were just like I procrastinate I do things last minute in my head I was like there's certain things that I do last minute and I've stopped blaming myself for it and it is so freeing for me to say I'm gonna start this in the last week and I'm gonna complete it in the last week right and for some people that's not how you're meant to do stuff yeah everybody's meant to like take a big project and do a little bit every week that is demotivating for me. There are very few things that can work like that, okay? There are like, I'm creating a program which teaches people how to create their way of being in their career. That's a long, long-term long project, but it's it, I do it in short bursts. So I'll do a whole module on one day, record, create, curate, research, right? Yeah. I, I work in this way because I know it works for me and it still gets the job done. So I refuse to be guilty about it. In fact, I'm quite open about it my managers know like if you work with me I will tell you how I'm motivated I will also tell you my blind spots right I will tell you that I'm so full of ideation that sometimes I can take on too many stuff and not complete it yeah then I have that conversation and I build into my way of being that if I feel that I might not get to the space where I complete something I ask for help So I'll collaborate with somebody on the idea and I'll collaborate with somebody whose way of working is completion. They don't really care about the beginning. They love the completion. They love they love the quality assessment. They love testing. They love iterating. Right. When we come together, it works. But none of us are feeling the weight of shame. None of us are feeling the weight of any of these shoulds because we are in, we're existing in the way that is natural for us to exist. So much so that the way that you operate in your career, in your, in your life becomes a strength in and of itself. And so you can lift this way of working to different projects, different teams, different industries, um, even in your personal life, right? If you're doing the party planning, like if I'm doing party planning, I need to have some people who love to do the finish. They love to do the wrap up. They love to do the conclusion, right? And we're still getting it done. And I, you know, we're able to just be in that zone. So like, it's something that I, it, it was both delightful for you to hear, for me to hear that because I'm like, that's me too. (laughs) But also I want to encourage everyone who's listening that like try and get yourself to a space where you understand where that comes from. Mm. Like, is it a trauma response or is it something that is like, is the discomfort that you're feeling the resistance where Mm. you're resisting against your own nature? Figure that out and then see if you can get yourself to a space where there's just less shame and it doesn't feel as heavy. We need to be light. You cannot be limitless when you're just like, mm, I'm going to apologize for everything I am and everything I do and everything I didn't do. Yeah. You don't want that version of you showing up in the world, right? So, oh, yeah, 100%. Um, uh, I already feel better. <laughs> I mean, like you said, <laughs> not, oh, sorry, the part of me on... Well, yesterday, yesterday was Wednesday. Yesterday morning when I spoke with my supervisor, as you say, like, I already felt lighter because now I, I wasn't, it wasn't all now only a problem in my head. 
I voiced it out loud. I got understanding and compassion towards me and I knew I felt safe and supported. So I knew it wasn't such a big of a problem as it seemed in my own head. And mm-hmm. now, even now, kind of uh, saying it for the second time out loud with you, I feel uh, I, I, uh, in, in lack of a better word, normal as in it in my own mind i have built it as such a negative thing Mm. to be feeling and going through and living even though i am i I, on a rational level i know that's bullshit i know but like there's just like it it feels like at that point of time it feels like a meta level of thoughts that arise Mm. Where I just can't bring myself, feel be like be rational and embody everything that I believe in. It, yeah. I it feels like a hostile takeover inside of my own brain. Yeah, and I just can't help myself. And then with these um, conversations, or when I write and then I publish stuff, is how I process. Mm. So that's how that's that, that's why I love so much speaking with other people and knowing that anyone listening or reading that's going through a similar thing can kind of appropriate the learnings and the story in their for their own situation and be like, okay, I feel lighter now as well. That's why we have to talk about the messy middle. Yeah. Because so many of these things, so like I talk about lifting the limits of your career, right? One of the limits that we've already touched on is imposter syndrome. One of the things that it does is exactly what you describe. It short circuits the system. Like I watch a lot of Marvel films. It's like when you're in the superhero film and like the the baddie overtakes the body of a good person and then starts to use them to do bad things. Mm. Okay. Insert whichever film that you want. I think it's in a couple cartoons as well. But you're just like, what is this spell that has been cast over my friend? Why are you looking at me like that? Why are you pointing your arrow at me? Like, what's going on? Yeah. That under a hostile takeover. And what happens when that happens for us with experiences like imposter syndrome um, is the isolation The isolation is what happens, right? So the experience tells you that you are unusual. You are weird for feeling this way and nobody else could ever possibly understand because everybody else is logical and you're not. So whatever's going on with you, you have to just handle it yourself. Again, this thought path starts to become a thing that stops you from reaching out for help and lifting the spell, which is literally just going, look, I'm stuck. Right. Especially in the example of the people that we could go to and say we're stuck to. They've seen other people be stuck. They've been stuck themselves. Right. But they're not going to they're not going to share that. Unless they feel it's helpful or unless we give them that space or that it's open. So it's so important for us to talk about the messy middle. And it's so important for us to identify. Right. As you said, you process in that writing. That's why a lot of people are like, get a journaling practice, have a friend, have a coach, have a therapist, like have that space where you can break the spell yourself Mm -hmm. because you're breaking it through that self-awareness. Because especially when you're in it, it's hard to see what you're actually in, right? Like that, that there's a phrase, you can't see the label from inside the jar. You literally can't see the label from inside the jar. And that's why a lot of the work that I do with folks around imposter syndrome, especially other stuff too, is let's focus on identifying when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Because once you identify that that is the thing that's happening, you can make a different choice. Yeah. Whereas if you're just rolling through it and not trying to, not trying to get out of the jar, right? Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard to know what to do, how to find a solution, who to talk to, because you don't feel it happening. Remember, you're under the spell. The, the, it's circuited yeah. and you don't know. So it's that sort of element of asking yourself questions like, you know, how long have I been feeling this way? What are the thoughts? Because your thoughts, the thoughts are connected to your beliefs. Your thoughts will dictate what you then go ahead and do or you don't do, right? If I'm scared, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say it. If I'm feeling shame, I'm not going to confess it. If I'm not feeling safe, I'm not going to go into that space of vulnerability, right? So it's recognizing how these things are interlinked, but you can question this. You can question how you're feeling and answer that question honestly. You can grab a post-it, grab a post-it and write down, what are my thoughts right now? 
worried mm. about deadline, scared nobody understands, stressed out about bills, worried about you know upcoming review or whatever it may be. And you can look at that and go, whoa, this is what's going on in my brain, which is why my shoulders are up here. I can't sleep. I'm not really eating properly. Right. And you can start unraveling it through getting that space of self-awareness. And this is not me. Like, I'm not very good at journaling regularly as a practice, but I I vent, I release, (laughs) you know, all of that stuff so that I don't stay in that space too long. But some of us, we've been in that space for the whole of January and looked up and gone, Oh my gosh. Even to the point where you talk to friends and they're like, I was just resting. And you're just like, I wasn't resting. I was trying to do stuff, but I was stuck. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But I'm going to tell you I was resting too, because my brain is sitting here at this lunch going, I was stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was stuck. Like what you were doing sounds nice. I was trying to be a productive individual and, um, yeah, I was scared. Yeah, it, it didn't quite work out to do it. <laughs> I wanted to do it. Having a conversation with someone else can help you either hold up the mirror to you or give you that space of reflection of, can I relate to that? Do I relate to that? Do I remember what it feels like with that? Like, yeah. breaking out again. It's all just breaking out the spell. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to breaking out the spell and one thing that I love that you mentioned earlier is being vulnerable in your workplace, like being vulnerable with your managers, with your team. Um, I'm in a similar place where like I have, I'm building a team of my own, but I'm also working for clients. And my default is saying how I feel. And sometimes my client, I don't feel like I'm doing enough, which feels like for others, it feels like I'm shooting myself in the foot <laughs> because you never confess to your clients that you feel like you're not doing enough. Mm. Um, but for me, I know that it's not coming from a rational thing uh, that I am not doing, like I'm doing more than enough. It's just that I'm feeling like I'm not doing enough. And mm. I know that the people I work with understand how my brain works and they're not like, I, I, I feel like I can easily almost like confide in them about how I'm feeling. But regardless, and I'm curious to hear your opinion on this, um, to, uh, to what extent is vulnerability allowed, needed, where it's something along those lines in the workplace? Um, so that, because I know that on one, on, on the one hand, there will possibly always be some kind of people that will take advantage over your own vulnerability. But on the other side, I personally feel it can most often, like more often than not elevate the relationship and provide more trust. Yeah. We're humans. We're humans. And I think it's a, it's definitely in a case by case basis, because I've definitely worked in environments where I didn't feel safe being vulnerable. And I was maybe vulnerable to people who were in other departments that I considered friends mm. um, and things like that, as opposed to my direct manager, because there was a disconnect there. Like, let's be honest, sometimes there is a disconnect. Yeah. Only you know where that relationship kind of is. Vulnerability in terms of like dictionary definition is at risk of being hurt. So it's always going to come with that inbuilt risk. Yeah. However, it's something that helps us build connections in a way that is so very fruitful, right? When we talk about, like, I'll take I'll take an example. Um, I remember watching an interview, um, an interview with um, a creative called Issa Rae, and she was sitting down with uh, P Diddy, also known as Puff Daddy, depending on how old you are. Okay. And somebody in the audience said, hey, like, I, I want to know if you'd be open to me shadowing you for the day. Because I know what you've done. Like, I know the achievements. I know the moves you've made. But I want to know how you think. Right? And Diddy was just like, yeah, reach out to such and such within the back of the room. We can hook that up for the day. You can come to HQ and we can just vibe for the day. Right? And that for me was something where I was like, I want us to do more of that in our workplaces. 
because when I think about the work that I do, so as a coach, I have two people supporting me. I have an operations manager and I have a marketing manager. We work together so well because we know how we think. So even for me, they know that I'm like an ideas person. They know I'm a morning person. They know that I'm always trying to do something different, but they also know that I've got that internal struggle with overcomplicating things. So that means like in the case of like marketing, marketing manager is able to come up and go, that all sounds great, but isn't that what you said you were trying to get away from last year? Mm. In between. So in that sense, she was able to hold me accountable. She was also able to save herself running off to do work for something that I changed my mind on, right? But in that sense, she could have quite easily gone, oh my gosh, Jazz is a mess. Like she's got way too many ideas, da 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 da. Like, right? Okay. She could have been she could have been judgmental, she could have been critical, but she realized actually it's for the greater good of both of us for her to return my vulnerability with support, <laughs> right? With support, with accountability, with that mirror to say, hey, Jazz, you're super duper creative. We're gonna, don't worry. We will work together to condense this down, right? I've had the same with clients who I've done private work for. I've created programs, right? I've created programs and they've been able to say like, this was the outcome of the work, but because they know I'm an ideas person, they'll give me that space to say, right, okay, so next time let's iterate on this. Mm. And it's not a thing of, oh, this, she seems very mm, creative. Maybe we just need the proposal in, in words. We don't want to have a call, like that sort of thing. Like you show up as you and you can come with that vulnerability and let people give you back that energy or not. Now to a certain extent, we're emotional intelligent beings. So you know when you start the sentence if somebody's like, oh. And sometimes that can mean that they just, they're not in the headspace to take that all in right now. Yeah. But I think it's very, very important. So the example that I use with my marketing manager and myself, being able to have that within your team. So whether like I work in tech, we're super collaborative. We're collaborative internationally. It's so important for us to understand how we think so we can anticipate each other's needs. Mm. We can understand what it means. Like what does, what, what does one colleague need to feel safe? For some of them, they need to um, have it written down, right? There are some colleagues who love that we saved the recording somewhere and we and somebody took the notes for me. Amazing. That makes me feel included and like I can contribute. Whereas there's other people who are like, if you hide it in a document, I won't find it. For me, what I need is for you to like give me that real-time brainstorm. Um, and that's why it's so important to sometimes look at things like your communication styles. I talk to think. To some people that can make it seem like my ideas are the best. No, that's just how I process. So if you know that as a colleague, you know that if you want my buy-in on a project or something like that, you could send me an email with a document of like, this is what I'm thinking, what do you think? And I'll comment back, don't get me wrong. But the way for you to get the best out of me is give me 15 minutes for me to just go off on one. Yeah. Like you want to call, you talk through it. And I'm like, I'm thinking this, have you thought about this? So the, and you've harvested the best out of me in that open way. And again, some of you might feel like that's super messy or whatever it is, but it's about being comfortable with who you are showing up and understanding that if we give each other that space, yeah. we continue to build that safe space. It only makes us more collaborative. Going back to your example of working with a client and being like, oh, I feel like I do too much. And actually this is something I'm writing a blog post on literally right now because this keeps happening. I speak to entrepreneurs and they're like, I keep over delivering. Right. And these are the same entrepreneurs that are like, I should also raise my rates. And I'm like, right. So I need you to build in your customer experience things that are helpful to you. And that can look like providing a monthly update on this is what I did. And these were the results to the client. That's amazing because they can see, wow, value for money. This is what I'm getting. But for you, mm -hmm. it's that mental process of I did too much this month. Let me scale it back a little bit. Or actually what I did which didn't feel like enough in the moment. I was freaking out. I was tempted to do like another six things on the project. Yeah. Actually, these three things got amazing results. So maybe I just need to double down. Maybe maybe it is enough, right? And then mm -hmm. again, we can have a conversation. We're not going to define ourselves by our work, but we have to unpick that when we say, is it enough? Is it a space where we're not believing that we are enough? that your skill level is enough, that your competency mm -hmm. is enough, that the client chose to work with you. We do not force people to work with us. 
We put out the invitation, they make a choice. That's why I love it when I get on calls with people and they're like, you're the third coach I'm having a call with this week. Yes. I want you to choose me. Like, right. And I want to have that data point to know in those moments where I may have a wobble to go, oh, maybe I'm not the coach for them. Yeah. me, And that becomes part of my evidence back, bank, right? And to yeah. some people that looks like the boring, please sign the scope of works. Seems super formal, but that formal boring document is what you can go back to to go, I am doing enough. This is the scope of works that they signed. This is what they said they wanted. If they want more, we can have that conversation at the end of this contract or this engagement. But I'm yeah. not going to let myself over, over, you know, over give yeah. and then get yeah. into the space of regret or just keep on over giving because it makes me feel competent and comfortable. And really, I need to do the inner work to feel comfortable, comfortable and competent in myself with where yeah. I am and trust, trust what's happening. Mm. Amazing things are happening. Trust that it's happening. Trust that it's not a fluke. Trust that they didn't fall into your inbox by accident. <laughs> Trust them when they say, we saw the work that you did over here and we loved it, right? Trust that and stand in that and and like feel that wholeheartedly so that you believe it, like it's added to your belief bank. And in that sense, you have to have your confidence, your sense of worthiness has to come from you. Mm -hmm. So anything anyone else says or any feedback that you get, it's an addition, right? It's an additional piece of insight. Yeah. But it's always going to be an additional piece of insight to your core. Not yeah. you're like swapping out your core beliefs based on like people's opinions and testimonials or responses or the clicks or the likes or the comments. Uh-uh. We can't live life like that. Yeah. I went off on one. I'm sorry. But I'm no, just... no, no. You are <laughs> I was just thinking how I wish that I had you know, like a toy microphone that I could just drop. <laughs> because this was, you know, like I felt like I'm I'm being taken down like for a very like for a roller coaster ride that ends at like it ends differently for everyone based on what our kind of fears and thoughts about everything you just said are. Um first like I think like we can have like groups of people um, kind of, yeah, grouping together at the same exit <laughs> because sometimes the problems are very, very similar. Um, and it, 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 I, I'm constantly learning the lesson how every time I feel lonely and isolated my own experience, I'm not because mm -hmm. there are so many people who are going and feeling the same feelings and emotions and going through the same or similar situations um, with the same or similar thoughts that are just, yeah, kind of, that we need to arrive to that moment. And what we discussed earlier, it's, it's a doing versus being almost. Like we need mm -hmm. to figure out our being because I think once we fully accept that then the doing is it, it's almost like not important because the being shines through and everything comes through the being the doing mm -hmm. almost like fixes itself up <laughs> for for a long while i was trying to control what i was doing because i thought that's going to help me figure out what am i who am i being yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Find my being. I will be amazing. Yeah. That's giving and, a lot of power to these tools. <laughs> yeah, I, it's the, um, just now, like, as I was describing it, I thought of the, like, those Simon Sinek circles of, mm -hmm. why? what, what, how, why? Is it, mm. and then, like, I was going from the outside, trying to figure out the inside, instead of starting from the inside, from my being, and then the doing kind of just like presents itself. Um, and I think a big part for that is how, let's say, my one of my biggest struggles, or maybe even the biggest struggle I had in my life was um, realizing that I don't have to have a niche or, special, or something that 
to describe myself with like one single word or two words at maximum because like i'm i'm a generalist and i have i have done so such i worked in such different industries mm. a plethora of different jobs that from the outside it looks like she has no idea what she wants to do with her life <laughs> like it's it's yeah. unconnected whereas for me it's everything makes sense in its own way because i i'm trusting that what i'm building i'm trusting my curiosity and how it's guiding me that when i look back it will all make sense um but still for like until i think a year and a half ago i was predominantly preoccupied with how do i like how do i introduce myself what like not not who am I, but what am Elevator I? Elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and who do you help? Who are you yeah. for? <laughs> um. And yeah, I, I really struggled with that because it uh, expanded my already big feeling of being completely il- alienated from the rest of the society who seemed like that they know what they are doing and who are they for and all of these things. Mm-hmm which I didn't know. Um, So I thought there must be something wrong with me because I'm like 25, 26, and I have no idea what I want to do with my life. And I have so many ideas and that can't possibly be okay (laughs) because everyone else kind of signals that it isn't, that I should pick one and stay with it because that's what adult people do. Mm. Um, And for me, it's created also like, it created a resistance on two levels. First of all, it was resistance towards that entire idea and notion that just because there is, just because the majority of people think that way, that it that that means they are right and everything else is wrong. Wrong. Yeah. But on the same level, uh, like um, subconsciously, I feel like even though I wasn't, you know, like even though I wasn't intentionally speaking their signals and then kind of embodying them, they still kind of somehow gotten under my skin mm. where I felt resistance with me being so creative and looking at it as a negative thing, as opposed to a positive thing as, as a curse rather than a blessing in my superpower. So it felt a lot of like, I needed a lot of unlearning to literally come to peace that the way that I work and the way that my mind works is okay. <laughs> that it's not weird, that it's my own unique way of being. And yeah. it manifests in the doing however it wants to manifest. However, I feel in the moment of contributing to the work or to the society or to whatever that sparks my passion at that moment, but kind of arriving to that stage of feeling like I am completely 100% okay with myself and how I present myself to the world. It was a long, long journey of just like stripping all of these learned label things um, that were kind of, uh, I always explained as I like, I kind of went through the, like I, I roamed the uh, streets of the world and people mm. just were sticking like stickers on me. <laughs> Of the things I should be, or of things I should be, or things I should do, or how I should act, or how I should dress, um, mm. and now I'm just like un, kind of unpeeling those, and it's a painful process because some are peeled directly on the skin. <laughs> the this one's a tattoo. Oh gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah those are. Those where you need to get yeah the kind of laser uh, uh, tattoo removal appointments. They hurt. Yeah. They they did, those, those laser tattoo appointments are called therapy. Trust me. We're not quite like peeling off the sticker, but I 100% get where you're coming from because the minute that you realize that you don't fit into this elevator pitch way of life, and even more so as a business owner, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much in business, both traditional and especially when it came online, it like hyper-focused into this whole, you need to be able to you need to be able to introduce yourself in two minutes and knock someone's socks off and like get a sale, whatever it may be, right? The pressure that came with it. When you live a multi-hyphenate life like we do, you also have this 
un- like the shadow of the joy of deciding, do you know what? I'm going to do all the things. There's the shadow. There's the dark side of, I now need to work extra hard to articulate what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's why one of the things that I always say to people, you know, if you are multi-hyphenate, try and take control of that intro conversation. And instead of asking, what do you do? Ask what you're working on right now. Mm. That gives everybody in the room the opportunity to share what they feel like sharing without walking away going, oh my gosh, I only told them one of the five things that I did. Oh, I'm so silly, right? I only told them one of my job titles because they glazed over after I said that one, yeah. right? It gives you that space to just define yourself for yourself. That means that you're engaging in your power. It means that you can start to sort of let go of some of the pressure of, um, like some of the pressure of having to condense yourself. Because by definition, multi-hyphenate, multi-passionate generalist is multiple. Yeah. Multi of it. So it's that sort of situation. And I remember I learned that pretty early on in my journey to the point where at the top of my CV, and it's still on there now. I think my CV might be on LinkedIn. You might be able to download it. Who knows? It's there. Email me for it if you want to see it. Like if you're multi-passionate and you're struggling with writing a traditional CV, I will send you my CV. But it says people plus process. And people are like, what does that mean? And I was just like, every career, whether it's hospitality, undergrad, working as an events manager, surveyor, property manager, now working in tech as a community manager, but I was a customer success manager before that, mm-hmm. people and process. I can organize anything and yeah. I love people. Yeah. The thread through all of it. I'm a coach, right? I coach people one-to-one, that's people. I show people how to find their way of being. That's a process, that's a curriculum Mm -hmm. that I take three people through. So if you think of me and you think of those words, you could be thinking about any dimension of me. You could be thinking about 2015 jazz. You can be thinking about 2022 jazz. That is who I am. And that's connected to my values. And if you meet me, I'll tell you what I'm working on. And I'll I'll cut cut to that why. Right? I'll cut to that mission. And it just so happens that this is how I'm living out that mission right now. This is how I'm living out my values right now. So let's mm-hmm. get into that. That's the juiciness. Because I don't think anyone's ever really excited. Like, it's not very often that I meet somebody, give the traditional two-sentence elevator pitch, and I think, oh, we should go for coffee. Yeah. We should go more, right? It's usually just like, okay, that's interesting. And especially if you're in a circle, oh my gosh, the pitches just get tighter and snazzier and more abstracts yeah right? to the point where when it gets to you and you're just like um I empower people yeah and I like talking to people and telling stories people are like oh well they she's very boho very open very modern yeah very millennial you know she yeah, yeah. elevator pitch okay that's fine you know and I took and I've yeah. Take this with an eye of realism. What I've worked out is introducing me is always going to be me. Mm-hmm. And then so articulating the value, you know, if it, if it is in a work context, then I will tell you what one-to-one coaching is like with me. I will tell you what workshops are like with me. I will tell you what's the point of my program. Yes. Yeah. We can get to the detail because I understand that there's a level of making it easy for people to understand if you're the person they want to work with. Mm. or time with or the person they want to introduce to someone else like I get that we have to have that space within personal branding right yeah but that doesn't need to be like you you aren't a brand you are you and you have a personal brand you're here personal brand attached attached still stems from you created by you owned by you but when I meet you I want to meet you that's so powerful because I think yeah a big a big part of networking and like uh, trying to establish a connection with someone nowadays is primarily about like work related and yeah like brand to brand conversation as opposed to human to human conversation mm-hmm. that we should be sparking more and enjoying more um Humans create businesses. Businesses don't create humans. Yeah, yeah. That's what my mind was trying to... Like humans have job roles. Job roles don't create humans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think like any... So like 
like an n number of humans can fulfill a certain job role, but only you can fulfill your own name plus surname. Like you, only you can fulfill your own human being. Yeah. So uh, that's why I think we need to kind of work more on either when e- e- even when introducing ourselves um, for the first time or. I don't know, communicating and networking, it's more about let's bring, let's show people who we are and then how who we are manifests in what we do rather than doing the other way around. 100%. 100%. Yeah, and I love just to give a final compliment amongst many on this hour, um, how you kind of found, a, let's say, a formula of... Mm-hmm introducing yourself that brings for people who are multi-passionate uh, and generalists, it, it reclaims our own power. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember a time where I felt good when I was introducing myself for all of the reasons that you mentioned and reframing it in a way that you reframed it and kind of me getting my power back and feel like feeling like okay now I'm the one kind of that writes my story and that's thinking or rather that has yeah that has the power of how my story will reach other people and mm-hmm. how it will be received to what extent it will it will be received um is something that I will practice from now on because I think that's a better way of leaving the conversation than feeling like no shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, really follow me. I shouldn't have walked up to this circle of people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, and it's always um um it's always more draining than I technically think that it is mm-hmm. because I always again like I will always feel bad or I will think, oh, like she's a lost cause, like she doesn't know what she's doing or where she's headed or what does she want to do. And that's because I gave them the power and the responsibility to kind of take the conclusion out of whatever I was saying instead of me very confidently giving to them everything that I am and being like, this is it. And like, there's no room for misinterpretation. (laughs) This is it. And, um, yeah, I will definitely be practicing that. Um, and I can't wait for you to publish the blog post that you uh, just mentioned. Yeah, it's coming. I'm literally finishing it off. It's, it's basically all the ways that imposter syndrome limits entrepreneurs specifically. Like specifically. Mm. those, those, those moments. Yeah. I love that. And I will encourage everyone to, and I will show it one more time on the screen, to go to your website and uh, read all of your past blog posts and LinkedIn articles as well, or LinkedIn posts, because um, I loved yours from December time when you were like uh, talking a lot about resting and burnout and mm. ways of working which really resonated with me. So I know that for anyone who felt um, uh, heard or seen in our conversation today, um, they will resonate with what you are writing consistently and constantly uh, as well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Renka. This has been this has been amazing and such a great conversation to have. I hope it helps everyone who tuned in or is watching back after. Yeah. Likewise, and thank you for being here with us today once more. Um, I'm so thrilled that we had this conversation, and I know that it will it will help a lot of people I, on so many levels. Like I just I I can't put it into words how like even for me how much time your words will kind of echo in my brain for the days to come because I feel, and I think this is what great coaches do. It's like, even though we didn't tackle something, let's say like very directly and deeply, you manage to put it in such a clear way that kind of like, just like goes around my mechanism of thinking 
this is this is 100 how it is mm-hmm. and then your words come in kind of go around and infiltrate that feeling and just like dissolve it <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> because again like we I think we relate to this as people who write and express ourselves through writing is that um we write to get it out there right it's a message it's an experience that we want to share and we just hope that it connects with just one for it to just connect with one person that's enough for me I'm like I've 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 done my job I have listened to this calling within me to do that and I will always continue to share openly and vulnerably so um, it means a lot to me that it has that impact on you um, and, and that we've been able to have this conversation and be real and raw, right? It's, yeah. It's in the messy middle. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and thank you for all of your knowledge and wisdom and for sharing everything so openly and being vulnerable uh, with us here today. I appreciate you. Appreciate you too. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jazz, and I hope you're having a lovely rest of the day. You too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Limitless Career Podcast, where you hear the how, why, and what it takes to build a career that stands out. If anything from today's episode has impacted you, I'd love to hear about it. So reach out on social media or by email. Don't forget to check the links in the show notes to find out how we can work together, get your hands on some juicy resources and join the mailing list for more fuel for your ambition. Until next time, take care.